0: We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe.
1: Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson.
2: Hi everyone, Joss. I'm with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. In this episode, we're going to discuss tech jobs. And I know you're wondering, what does that have to do with relationships? Um, I'll the correlation. And we're also going to talk about side pieces. And yes, we're going to go into some more detail in regards to that. Now, as you know... This whole Oscar thing has been written over many, many times. People have already given their comments about it. I give you my comments. And it's almost to a point now it doesn't even make any sense to even talk about it anymore. I appreciate your emails in regards to it, but folks, we have to move on beyond that. And the reason why I say this is because of one thing. There are a lot of dynamics that were going on with it. But as an overview, one thing I want you to understand, if nothing else, men, if you're ever at a point where you feel as though your woman is prompting you to intervene in a conflict, and it does not pertain to saving the both of your lives or her life or your life, do not get involved. That is not your fight. I don't care what the words are that comes out of a person's mouth. The reason why I say this is because of one thing. You can spar with them verbally, but don't throw hands because you don't know the capacity of that person, they don't know the capacity of you. And you have to look at the fact that if she's exposing you to danger, where she's sitting back and letting you fight this battle by yourself, it would be the equivalent of you guys being robbed. And what she does is says, oh, rob him, he has the money. I'm going to stand over here and watch. I'll call the police, honey, if you survive it. Now, the reason why I bring this point up is because there was one evening when I was coming out of a mall with Monica. We had driven there in a Rolls Royce Cornish. And what happened, we were on our way back to the car. We had bags in tow. These guys came down, it was three of them. And of course, they were African-American. I was an easy mark like man with a Sicilian woman what you expect right going to a Rolls Royce and she's dressed to the nines what I did I handed her the bags and told her to go to the car get in the car and drive off leave me I was going to stand there I knew I was going to get my ass kicked probably killed she got in the car started it up told me to come on I told her to go because by the time I would have run to the car they would have caught me she takes a few feet in the car and these guys are gaining on me and i'm thinking okay the guy on the left i'm gonna hit him first reason being he's the tallest he's the biggest threat then i can deal with the other two but this one over here is the one that i'm worried about six five or so if he connects with me i'm done if i take him out first i got a chance that's my thinking at the time And she stopped the car, left the car running, door open. She gets out of the car and starts walking towards us. At that time, the security people come in. They see what's going down. They drove into the parking lot. That's what saved us. I was furious at Monica. And that was the first time I ever raised my voice to her. And she was in tears. Because she had never had a man... To be angry at her... For doing something. And what I was angry at her about was... Jeopardizing and risking her life... To make it more difficult for me to defend her. Where she could have driven off. Called the police or whatever she needed to do. But she would have been safe. But now I had to worry about the big dude the other two dudes that I could probably take out with no problem and her I'm thankful to that security company whoever they were because as soon as they came those dudes scattered and she cried apologized you know on the way home and I was upset and I told her I said, don't you ever, ever jeopardize yourself. If it's a situation of a life and death, you go on. I'm going to make it where you're safe. I'm going to make it where you can make it home if I can't. And maybe you could tell my mom and family that I didn't make it. But at least someone would know that I went down fighting. But see in that situation I was looking out for her best interest. That was my job to protect her. She didn't start no shit with them. She didn't cuss them out. She didn't go and throw hands at them or anything like that. We were just walking into the car. This is what I want you to understand gentlemen. That's the only time You need to look at throwing hands. All the rest of it is bullshit. All the rest of it will get you killed or hurt over nothing. And she cried and told me, she said, well, I wasn't going to leave you there. If they were going to beat up you, I was going to let them take me out too. And I said, no. That's not the way this works. Your safety is what I'm going to fight for. And if I have to die for it, oh well but the last thing I wanted her to do to become a victim too but then again I had to look at it she showed that she cared because true enough she could have went on and but I wouldn't have thought any less of her if she did Because that's what I wanted her to do, was to be safe. And she thought that I was going to take less of her for not doing what I told her. And even for doing what I told her. Sometimes, folks, it comes down to a situation where you have to prioritize things You have to set protocols on what needs to be done. But a lot of times, people don't think that way. Because they're so accustomed to getting into their feelings and their emotions. Like she was in her feelings and emotions by stopping their car because she loved me. What I had to do was take my feelings and emotions and tell her to go and for a brief second there I had peace of mind okay she's getting ready to leave, she's safe now let me deal with these fools and that didn't interfere with my logic because the first thing I was looking at was the big dude I had to take him first hoping that if I took him and got the better of him at some point that the other two dudes would kind of lay off And if they were to join in, I was going to hurt the big dude bad enough where I could then focus on the other two dudes. I wasn't intimidated by them, the other dude, yeah, he he was going to be a challenge. Fortunately, they didn't have guns. Because at that point, I asked myself, okay, what's getting ready to happen? for a minute there ask God is this it? Is this it? And I expected for it to be it at that time. So fellas just keep that in mind when it comes down to defending your woman. It only needs to be done to protect the two of you now with insults and stuff like that you can snap back with other insults that's no big thing but don't let your emotions trigger you when you're getting to something that's not so good I told you about my friend years ago when we were in the club and his girlfriend kept messing around with this man at the bar And this dude was so big, this is no joke. When he walked into the nightclub, the damn place went dark because his ass was blocking the light. She goes over to the bar. We're on a double date. I'm with my girl. He's with this other woman, which I didn't like. My girl didn't like her either because she was one of these people that had to have the last word. I would start shit. And my boy was every bit of, hell, maybe a buck eighty at best. And weight. 6'1. This dude that came in was 6'9. He weighed a good 300 at least. And it was muscle. This dude was so well cut. He had on leather jacket. You can see the muscles through the jacket. And of course, his woman walks over, gets in front of him in line orders a drink then insults the man about telling him he should pay for her drink and he clearly saw that she was with my boy and he acknowledged that hey you got a man You, I you walk over here she gets mad after the bartender pours a drink throws a drink in his face and he tells my friend you need to come over here and get your girl She punks him by saying, You gonna let him talk to me that way? And he jumps up and he's like, You got my back? Asking me? I said, nah, that's on you. He went over there, got in between her and him, started talking shit to him. Before I knew it this man had wrapped him up under his arm like a newspaper and took him into the men's room he was laying horizontally under this man's armpit he took him into the men's room and whooped his ass when he came out of the men's room he had one sock hanging off his glasses got broken he had his hat on and security asked the dude to leave and he left Then he asked old girl to leave and then my friend. He's like, were y'all leaving with us? Nope. you on your own. Have fun. Because it wasn't worth it. He allowed her to put him in that situation. A situation that was totally unwarranted. And judging from the side of that dude, he could have killed him. this is what happens when you poke a bear. So you have to be mindful of this. Because if not, it can end very ugly for you. Now, another thing too. If you're with a partner that doesn't love you, they're going to show you that they don't love you. They're going to show you that they don't care. Their enthusiasm for the relationship is going to be far less than you're accustomed to. You're going to learn this very quickly and very easily because this person is going to think less of you. They're going to lose confidence in you. They're going to marginalize you. Some women actually put a man in a compromising situation like my friend was in order to break up with them especially if they have that love-hate relationship with that individual love what they do hate who they are and so he goes gets his ass beat and the first thing the woman says is what kind of man are you you can't even protect me even though she provoked the incident fellas don't get involved I'm telling you it's not your duty and don't get into the habit of confronting another man to show out in front of a woman cause you don't know what kind of beans you're opening up there you're not a pussy you're not scared you're no punk you are rational. And that's the way it's got to be. You got to get out of your feelings and your emotions and start thinking logically. Because if you're confronting another man, you're fighting for your life. Because you don't know how far he's going to take it. You don't know what he's going to do. This is the reason why I tell you, you mess around with a married woman, a woman that's in a relationship, and she's marginalizing what he can do. Oh, he never gets upset like that. Oh, he never leaves the house. oh, he he doesn't care about what I do. To the best of her knowledge is what she should add on that. She may not know that man may be seething at home in anger. And one night he may choose to follow her, especially if you don't know she's married. and then you got a confrontation and one thing I'll tell you fellas never ever fight over a married woman or a woman that's committed in a relationship if that dude's coming up there wanting to start beef say hey man that's your woman I'm out of it I'm done the only thing her ass is going to do is to cower with him That's what's going to happen more than likely. Very seldom is she going to be on your side, and you'd be a goddamn fool to try to take up with her in that situation. You're not the UN, you're not the US military services. You just wanted a relationship, you didn't want to fight. let her find some weak simple impotent male prototype that's going to go and fight that battle for her but not you she's not worth it you gotta remember what's the quality of this woman if she's already cheating on him with you think she's not gonna do the same with someone else so why are you wasting your resources possibly getting your ass kicked, killed or put in jail over her She doesn't have respect for herself. How the hell can she have respect for you or your relationship? She can't even respect something as simple as a marriage or a relationship herself. She's not worth fighting for. And the pussy is not that good because there are better women with better pussy that you haven't met yet. If that's what you're thinking, that is the only caveat or the only thing that you would hang around for. Don't put yourself in that awkward position, fellas. You don't have to. She's not worth it. She really is I tell you ladies all the time, you're a damn fool if you fight over a man. You're a damn fool if you're fighting a man's wife for him. If he's still married to her and you're fighting her for him... What you need to look at is why the hell is he so damn lazy he didn't divorce her? Why is he so damn lazy that he didn't break up with her or move out? Because there's a reason. He's still with her. And you're foolish enough to try to see if you're a better woman. And this is when your emotions will get your ass kicked. seen it happen too many times. Don't allow yourself to get in a situation like that. Remember, you have more of a choice of men than he has of women. And for you to get stuck on stupid on a dude that you have to literally risk your health for, is it worth it? And the answer is hell no. He's so disrespectful. He didn't leave his woman. And guess what else? He's going to go back to her. That's the way it goes. Of course, there is the exception to the rule, but that exception is very low. Very few men will leave their wives for another woman. We're going to talk more in just a moment. Let's talk about the side piece. All right, now. You have many types of relationships. And what you have to remember is this. As you become more mature, the relationship increases on its seriousness. Dating in your 20s is dating differently in your 30s which is dating differently in your 40s which is dating differently in your 50s and in your 60s and on up because you're at different stages in life so let's say you start out in your teens and you have this relationship going you're still learning each other still gotta figure out what you're gonna do with your life after you become an adult young adult And so you have to come up with a roadmap or a plan. And you have to see where these things fit in your scheme of things in life. Where does this relationship fit? You're with your girlfriend or you're with your boyfriend. You guys are 15 or 16. And you're trying to figure out exactly how this person's going to fit. Things you need to look at as a kid before you even think about becoming a young adult. Is my relationship with this person affecting my grades? Is it affecting my performance in any extracurricular activities at school? Is it interfering with the relationship between me and my parents? These are questions you need to ask yourself. In each of those categories, the answer should be no. If the answer is yes in any of those categories, that person is not good for you. And the reason for it is because they're going to hold you back in one aspect of your life going forward in your development. So you go and you rebel as a teenager against your parents. You love the guy ladies. You want to be with him. The parents already see that they don't like him for whatever reason. But you're going on with him. And you're thinking he has a plan. Yeah, he does, all right. His plan is to be with you. His plan is more than likely to struggle. His plan, more than likely, has nothing to do with him being a man first and then looking at being a husband, a boyfriend, a father later because he's still got to prove himself. And starting out young, things are going to be tough. God help you if you have a child. Now, let's say you take the opposite approach. You find this guy, he's nice, and he's not impacting anything in your life negatively. He's not abusive, he's not punching you or hitting you. At this point, I'm not cussing you out, calling your names. And now you're at that point in your life where you're 17, you're looking at going to college. Now, you may have plans on going to a college in order to major in a certain field, maybe out of state. Do not limit your future prospects based on a relationship. So if you have to go to the University of Minnesota and you live in California, go there for that program, whatever it is. Good possibility you may meet someone there don't hold that person's life up, break up with them so that they can have a shot at life too and if you guys happen to meet up later on all well and good but what you're trying to do at this point is to establish yourself and establish your identity for you so you go to the University of Minnesota, your boyfriend goes to Cal State Fullerton as an example you both wind up dating other people you create this constituency of friends. Take for instance, you might decide to stay in Minnesota, find a good job there, and now you're working. He's in California, he's got him a woman, finds him a good job in California, and he's working. Now, here's the thing in that case, the two of you did not actually encroach on each other's future prospects, future goals. But understand that when you get to certain stages in life, you may divorce, you may break up because there's a possibility you're gonna outgrow your partner, you're gonna outgrow the environment, you're gonna wanna change. Your first change is gonna happen after you graduate from high school between those years of 18 to 20. Now when you get around 21 up to about 25, at that point, you're kind of settling into a cycle of life that you would like to have. Maybe a new apartment in your new town. You finish school or finishing school and now you're structuring your life, getting your car, getting these things together. So what has happened? You've become a little bit more serious about life. You're looking for more definitive choices. So the boyfriend that you're looking for, ladies, in your 20s, early 20s, 21 to 25, is different from the guy that you were looking for from 18 to 20 and during your teen years, from 13 up to 17. Because what you're gonna do at every stage, outgrowing the people it includes the friends they're going to be friends that won't go to college they're going to be friends that are going to drop out of high school they're going to be friends that are going to have children at a very early age so now you have to navigate the waters to get past those obstacles you'll still be friends with them of course but the thing is is that you have different tasks a lot of people who have identity crisis as younger folks they get hung up on these turnstiles in life trying to fit in with their friends you may have a 4.0 GPA your friend may have a 2.9 in high school but in order to fit in because you really like that friend you start taking on their habits and drop your GPA so now you have a problem getting into college. You might have to go to a two-year college now, whereas if you weren't around that bad influence, you'd be going to a four-year school. That's gonna hurt you in the long run because it's gonna be less money you can make going forward. So what you need to look at is this as you evolve and grow, don't be so bidget and hanging on to those friends you will outgrow them along the way and you'll meet new friends and those new friends as you meet them and as you filter them will have a more vital role than the ones you've met in the past because you're growing in that prospect now as you continue to evolve and grow in 18 to 20 or so you're in that young adult phase before you get 21 where in most states you're legal but in other states 18 is legal you may not see a situation where you're ready to settle down you may want to travel have fun join the service go to school whatever work but whatever you decide to do at that point in your life after you start acquiring assets, an apartment, it's not really an asset, it's more of an expense, but still. Milestones. Buying a car. Putting money away in the bank. You're now starting to get serious about yourself. You've gone out of the clubbing stage, the nightclub scene, and all of that crap. And now you're looking for something a lot more substantive. you're taking yourself seriously so what you're looking for at this point is someone that's taking themselves just as seriously as you are which means you're going to have to filter out people you're going to have to grow out of that being amused and entertained just on the cosmetic side of things the superficial side you're looking for quality, character, substance, integrity and someone you can trust and someone that can trust you you're looking for a person with a work ethic you're looking for someone with a plan a vision a future because now you're starting to acquire things that you can lose that could set you back and send you back home to mom and dad and you don't want to do that because you worked so hard to build your life up so you don't have to depend on them anymore because you've taken the training wheels off so now you go forward And let's say, for instance, you meet a guy and you're around 21. And you're going to date this guy until you're a good 27, 28 years of age. So in this period of time, what's happening here? You're dating, you're becoming closer. And then eventually, you get comfortable with this person. They get comfortable with you. You kind of know their idiosyncrasies and so forth. And then he may promote marriage. We'll say this happens at around 23 to 25 years of age. Now, others of you may just want to date during that period and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to prolong this and wait until I'm 30 or so before I look at getting married. Some people will do that. But in your 20s, you go, you get married. We'll say 25 or so. Now, you're married. What are some of the things that are going to come up in the future? A child. A home. Paying off student loan debt. If you haven't. And so, at this point, you're playing hardball. You're serious. So, you get into the house. as a couple around 26, 27 years of age. And we started cohabitating at about 24, 23 years of age. And you've tied the knot. You put your money down. You're in a home. You guys are happy. And now this is where another phase of your life has to be planned out once again. When are we going to have a child? When are we going to start a family? so you still invest in the contraceptives and so forth and you say you know what let me be on the job for about 4 more years 5 more years and then we'll look at having a child so around we'll say 33 or so you decide to have your first child some of you may want to do it earlier some people like to do it to get it out of the way sounds good the only thing you have to remember is a lot of people who do that later on in life after things don't maybe go so well these are the people you usually see who come back and resent the fact that they got married too soon so make sure you do everything you want to do prior to getting married prior to getting involved in an entrenched or long term relationship so if you want to travel with your girlfriends throughout the world or whatever do that while you're young this will prevent you from wanting to have a bucket list when you get old this is one of the reasons why I have a problem meeting women, because one problem that I have was the fact that everything I wanted to do as far as traveling and thing, I did that before I was 35. So that I got all of that out of my system. And now at 60, I'm running into women talking about they want to go to Europe for the first time, or they want to go to Asia for the first time, or they want to go and do this or that. And I'm like, at this age, I wouldn't enjoy it like I enjoyed it when I was younger. So I don't have that element that they have. And so that makes us incompatible by default. Now, here's the other thing. Let's say you have a child at around 33, which is kind of late for some women. But by this time you've gotten your education, you traveled and had fun, partying with your girlfriends. You've also got to a point where you found someone serious. You got your own place. You guys are together. You got your cars. You got your career on on part going on. And so now you can go and have your child. Now, what this is going to mean when that child is born, you got another stage of life and stage of adjustment. Let's look at the previous stage of adjustment. When you start becoming exclusive with that partner and he proposes, you guys are now a couple. Which means that some of those friends are going to have to be shared along the way. Because now you're in a relationship and you're not going to have time to spend with a lot of those friends. You're going to have to measure your time. So you're going to have fewer friends as you go along and as you age in life. You're going to have a whole lot in high school. But as you grow older, they're going to taper off gradually. Because you're going to outgrow them in the cycle. So now, what happens? You get married. You're going to shed several of those friends, especially single male friends. He's going to shed many single female friends. And so, you're going to only have more people around you who support you. Because the thing is, any extra baggage is in the way. Your relationship can't take on the weight of all these other dramatic situations that are going on with other people. So, with that stage... You're gonna have a few more friends. You're gonna have. You're gonna still acquire new friends, but you're gonna have those. But those new friends that you acquire after you're married or in a relationship is going to be based on more than likely couples. So you're gonna now have mutual friends More them, and as you guys vet them, that number is gonna shrink as well. And then you realize you have. Certain friends. So when you have things like the christening for the child, there's certain people you probably want to invite. And certain people you probably won't, because based on the way that couple interacts in public. Now, child's born. Again, you're gonna have an adjustment in friends again. You're not gonna have time to be hanging around a lot of your women who are st- who your girlfriends who are still single or dating still are with um, a husband they're going to have their lives so you are going to have yours so now instead of you guys going out and meeting in a nightclub or a meeting on a regular basis to go do different things going to the casinos or whatever it becomes more of a deliberate type of thing where you're scheduling to meet up with each other maybe to have lunch maybe something like once a week or something like that so you're not seeing your friends as frequently because you're dealing with a baby, which means a lot of sleepless nights for the both of you. And you're gonna really not have time for other people as much. It's just gonna be work and family. And you're gonna to have to work on that work-life balance, which is gonna be an adjustment. Now, as the child gets a little bit older, and let's say you had a child at 33, and now we'll jump it up to 40. That child's about seven years old now. So in this way, the child can go to school, you and your husband have to arrange to pick that child up. What has happened to your friendships? What has happened to your relationships? You're a little bit more dependent on family in a way. In regards to maybe babysitting, grandparents want to see their grandkids, so that works to your advantage. So now your life is more structured. Your lifestyle is now kind of permanent. So you're preparing yourself now for this kid because you know in about a few years they're going to be a teenager and there's gonna be a whole different adjustment for the both of you. So what you're dealing now with this progression is, you're spending more time with your child in these formative years. So from 33 until 40 is where you need to spend the most time with your child, helping them with homework, values, morals, these kind of things. Because at this age, going through that period from zero to seven, you're prepping them for the way they're going to be when they go into their teenage years. You're trying to make it more manageable for you in the future with them by establishing certain rules until they get to a point where they see your actions and it's reflective of what you tell them. And once they see that, that helps them to adapt and it becomes a norm to act like their parents. Now, at this point, we'll say you're 40 and your child is 7. At this point, what's happening now, you're becoming more proactive in planning for their future. So this means that you don't wait until 33 to start putting away money for them to go to college. You actually start that when you begin working. And the reason why you do that then is because of one thing. By the time you make it to 33, we'll say you start working at, we'll say 18. By the time you make it to 33, you got a pretty good chunk of change saved up. 401k whatever it is by the time you're 40 more to the good right so by 47 they're 14 the child's 14 they're in their teen years now so everything that you poured into them in those formative years till so they were about 7 they're going to practice they're going to put it in practice all the way through until their teenage years, hopefully. And at this point, these will be the kids that will go in and they may be exposed to things and they can have decision-making skills based on what you've taught them by your example. Not to do drugs, those kind of things. And these kids will come back and tell you things they were exposed to and how they don't want to hang around with their friends and et cetera, et cetera. Now, what you have done, you've gone from that nurturer, that educator, to their coach. At this point, they come to you with any problems that they're having, any questions that they're having. Now, what's going to help you is those values that you taught that kid at that earliest stage in their lives, you're going to see it reflected in their teenage years. Now, they're going to have their own quirks. They're going to be influenced by peers and things like that at school. But the very structure that you gave yourself is what you'll project onto them as far as the way you set out in high school and so forth. So now they have an idea as to how the stages of development occurs. So we'll say they're 14. They're going to middle school. And while they're in middle school, we'll say they're doing pretty well in their grades. They're doing well in other activities at the school. They're trying to please you as a parent because they want to meet your expectations. But what are those morals and values that you teach them? Teach them is a work ethic about earning something with merit in other words working for what you earn and not just expect things to be given to you and with this what they will do they may shoulder through middle school and then get in high school now they're 17 when you're 40 let's go 5 years up Oh no, I'm sorry, 14 when you're 40. Excuse me. Let's go five years up. They'll be 19 when you're 45. So now you have to think about this. At 19, you have put everything into that child that you possibly could. They're gonna start forming their beliefs and opinions at around 13, 14. And you're going to have an influence on them with that. So by the time they're 19, they have an idea as to where they're going. And here's the thing. You'll be 45 years old. They're 19. They're looking at now, maybe going to college, going to military, going to school. And they will feel as though They have to do something with their lives. The reason being, you set the example for them throughout those stages in your development. Now the friends you'll have at this point in your life are going to be mutual friends that you've had long-standing relationships with, who will probably be married. You'll probably be in a situation where you don't know anyone that's single unless they're divorced. Same thing with your spouse. Now, by the time you're 50, they're 24. I think I got my calculations right. They're 24 years of age at that point. Now, at that point, they're starting out where you began when you were in your 20s. So, as a measure, by establishing this between the ages of 0 to 18... They should have a roadmap based on what you've done as to a semblance of how they should follow their lives. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to do it exactly. And you don't want to push them there, but you want to show them how they can do it and be much easier with their development. And by this time they're out of the house, you and your spouse are together, probably at 45 you guys. Your kid probably went on. And the two of you now have the rest of your lives to spend together, at least 40 years together, statistically. So you'll be about 85 when you maybe pass away a little bit older. Now, mind you, throughout this period, guess what's happening? You had a 30-year mortgage, right? paid on it from 25 to 35 that's 10 years 35 to 45, 20 years so if you had a 20 year mortgage it's paid off if you have a 30 year mortgage you have 10 more years on that mortgage together now being that your expenses are going to decrease and that the children will be making their own money you could pay the house off you could sell it at your condominium where it's just the two of you if you want to cut overhead so you have more money or you just may want to stay in the house so they always have a home. And let's say you go on and you guys are still together. By the time you're 60 with a 30-year mortgage you're ready to rip it up. So at this point well roughly no Well, in any case, you got my gist, because i I'm got a fog right now, but what I'm trying to explain to you is that around 55, your house will be paid off, roughly, or 60, but once it's done, then you have to consider, you're still young, you still have good income coming in, you're at your peak as far as salary, usually at about that age, And therefore, you now have to start preparing for retirement. And so, you and your partner are making plans about where you want to go to retire. What do you want to do with your lives at that point? Because you still got all these years together, still. And it gives you a chance to structure things. Now, at this point, you have watched your friends, your mutual friends, grow old with you, starting to gray. And at this point, what are are the things that are important? Your income, your health. These things are going to be very important to you guys. And you start maybe changing your diet, exercising more, eating healthier, going to the doctor more frequently. And then, at some point, some of you'll wait till you're 65 to retire. And let's say you do so. House is paid off, the only bills you have at that point, maybe a credit card bill, cars are paid off, student loans paid off. And of course you might have to help the kids out every once in a while, but you could afford to do so and you want to spoil the grandkids as well. And so now, what has happened An external group of people you used to have, such as your friends and stuff, a lot of them are replaced by family. A lot of that time is replaced by family. And not only that, those friends, those close friends, will be like family to you. And that number of close friends are going to get even smaller. People move away, careers, people dying and as you grow older those two friends that have been with you guys for the longest that's going to be a circle and you realize you may only have about maybe three or four couples that are your true friends and you have individual friends co-workers and things like that that you worked with in the past as well but what's happening at this point is your social structure is standing out but you don't mind it. And along the way, throughout your life, you have outgrown people and left them on the wayside. And it's okay to do that because some people you can't take with you because they'll bring you down. And then you go into the sunset years and live your lives together. This is just to give you an overview of what could possibly happen if you structure your life. ...in such a way where it's not in crisis mode. Now, is this foolproof plan? Of course not. Things can go wrong, things can change, healthcare conditions may come up, you never know. But at least you have a structured plan on how things should go. And you would understand and comprehend the reason... ...why you would have to let some people go along the way as you move forward in life. It's a natural natural evolution some people feel guilty and feel as though they have to go back to square one take for instance a person who may become successful in their career and because their friends didn't make it they feel kind of guilty and therefore that friend makes them want to come back to the hood or come back and help out people that really didn't put forth effort to help themselves you don't want to put yourself in that situation More after this.
3: i said i'm talking about my own mother stole my own mother stole from me you feel me like like i had to wake up one day in the league one day in the summertime and find out everybody was stealing from me down everybody from my financial advisor from my mom to everybody in my family to everybody was you dig what i'm saying to the point where getting the cut to the point where i had i was faced with two evils it's like okay do i do i let this go on and not tell them because this is my family. Or do I cut them off and don't have no family? What was your decision? At first, I you know I tried to explain to them, but you you can't explain million dollar problems to somebody ain't never seen technology before. I've been trying to find good people for so long. I'm tired, bro. I would say I'm this, dying. it's 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 a 100%, bro. Like, it's like, so okay to be tired, like, I got, you know what I'm saying? You ain't got nothing left. You ain't got nothing left to give.
1: I'll tell you this, bro. I'll be it. Like, whatever you need, dog. Like, if you just want to talk, like, I, I for sure can't hoop with you. I'll go out there and pass that hoe. Like, what we're saying is, bro, like, we want to be those people. Bringing you here wasn't about this. I wanted to talk basketball and hoops. But, dog, folks love you, dog. Nobody wanna see you go through this. I think the thing is, man, like so many times as black men, we are asked because of talent to carry everybody. We are not made to carry everybody. Black women are asked to carry everybody. They are not made to carry everybody. Dog, it takes a fucking village, bro. And at some point you gotta have somebody who don't need from you, who don't want from you, who wanna see you win, man. Like we don't, we don't do this for us. Yeah, like, like you want to build these things, but it's about these conversations. It's about bringing people on here and letting them tell their story. When Freddie said, man, you could tell your narrative, tell that sh- and I'll preach it too. What we saying is, man, don't give up.
2: Now, the gentleman that was in that recent video clip that you heard was an NBA player, a person who's playing in the NBA right now. this is a common phenomenon especially among African American men he goes into the NBA he makes a lot of money and everybody has their hands out and he's at a point where he feels as though he's just being used by everyone and if he says no he's a bad guy but these people didn't have to work for anything you have to understand that some people will come to you just because they know you and they feel as though that's valid enough when you have a windfall or when you're successful to come to you with their hand up like it's an admission for you to pay them for knowing them. Now, and I've always talked about this. I used to hate seeing this on draft day in the NFL or the NBA. You'd have the white kid and he would have his mom and dad there. And they'd be sitting in the living room of the house that the dad purchased for the mom. You go to the black kid. You see a whole bunch of women there. Maybe a few young boys or young girls. But he's the only man in the house. And now he's taking the role of father. Because even though his mother's sitting right beside him, he's taking care of mama or sister Grandma and everybody else. And he's not sitting in a house that his father purchased for them. They're probably in public housing, or they're in an apartment, or they're renting a house because he had a harder go. And unfortunately, more often than not, he has to take care of everyone that's in that picture. Now, here's the thing. We rarely think about the conditions that this kid grew up in that put him in that situation. He had to be born, bred, matured, and then become the breadwinner of the family. Over that whole period of years, Where if, if the mother would have made a better choice than man choosing his father, they would have been just like that right white family, with a father in the home, who have already bought his mother a house. So that young man wouldn't have that pressure on his shoulder. and then when these guys go in the league a lot of times just like they do in the NFL they don't know who to trust and them, them never had that kind of money before I listened to Gilbert Arenas talk about the first thing he did was went out and he had a $300,000 uh, payment from the team and so he goes out and buys a hundred and some odd thousand dollar Escalade and bought a damn ring no, I'm sorry, necklace. It was very expensive. They had to live off of $4,000 for that one year. Because he also had to pay taxes on that money. So there are things that need to be looked at. Well, before then. Because a lot of these young men wind up broke come out NFL NBA and they're broke. They play 10 years or so. They still are too young to draw their retirement down because a percentage of that was put in a retirement fund for them and they can't touch it until they're 45. And they wind up having to try to survive until they're 45 to get that check every month. Because they've gone through the millions that were advanced to them previously. So, the first thing that needs to happen, these young men need to learn about finance. They need to learn about managing money and understand what the value of money is and what the weight of money is. And understand that it's a comfort tool, it's not a lifestyle. And use it with that moderation. I told you before about my friend that drove the Honda the 1992 Honda Accord and it was 2000 I think 2002 at that time and the women used to crack jokes on him about his car and about how conservative he was but he had an abundance of cash in the bank somewhere around 500,000 he was liquid that kind of money in the bank but the women he wanted didn't want him because they didn't think that he had anything because he didn't externalize his wealth he wasn't going out there buying rings and Porsches and all that stuff but he had resources and he couldn't understand why He couldn't get the women that he wanted, and I told him, "Those women don't deserve you." And he was shocked to hear that because he had put them on a pedestal because they were so beautiful. And I told him, "I said, think about the tech industry." I worked in the tech industry during that time, and I told him, "A lot of guys are walking around that's making well over 100k a year who are nerds with low self-esteem." Because they were discarded in high school for the job. And now these women are coming after them, and they don't know how to act. They don't know what to say, they don't know what to do. Because they never had that much attention put on them. And so a lot of these women go through their money and use them. And it was pathetic. but now what you have to keep in mind though also is that with these folks once they have been burned they learn but the goal is to not get burned so you don't have to learn that way now another aspect of this we have to look at with this evolution women ladies if you're a single mother and you have a son the one thing you need to educate him on besides finance is how to choose a good woman now i have given you four categories of questions to ask that he should look for who are you? And you can listen to the previous podcast in regards to that, talking about the four questions: Who are you? What's your purpose? Strengths and weaknesses, and what are your intentions? You have to help him learn how to filter women, and not allow it to be a situation where he goes out there and picks out a girl. And you just don't like her and don't tell him why. Explain to him why you don't care for her. Explain to him the reason why she would be a bad choice for him. Not because you're mama and using your authority as mama. But when you explain to him comprehensively where he would wind up. Because see, once he sees the big picture, that's going to build your confidence. And build his and you in regards to what he's looking for. And the only way that's going to happen is he has to feel as though he's been done right by you as your son. So that means you have to leave all that animosity If you, if his father and you didn't get along you got to leave that alone around him don't bad mouth his father around him remember he's partial representation of him but he didn't do anything to you he was just born the way you treat your child is the way they're going to treat you later in life just understand that that will take you a long way with your kid now in this situation I felt sorry for this gentleman because he was on the verge of tears because it was a very humbling thing where he couldn't trust anyone not even his own family he said his family stole from him and everybody stole from him I can imagine his family stood from a complete stranger's way. And what he was looking for was somebody he could actually trust, someone who loved him, someone who gave a damn about him. And the way he's treated now is indicative of the way he was treated when he was younger, by his family, by his friends, and everyone else. It was a pushover. He could be used. He could be abused. And they took advantage of it. And even though he went out and made the sacrifice, and he's paying all this money to these people letting them steal from him, in order to feel accepted, to get affirmation from his family, and his mother, and his friends. This is how these men wind up broke. I remember there was an interview that Gilbert Arenas had on one of the shows on YouTube and Gilbert Arenas was two time uh, um, what was it he was a pro um, well he was a professional basketball player let me get that out there very successful and a very smart man but I'm trying to think of the award he had he won it two times he was NBA I think champion or something I forgot what it was but he did it twice but here's the thing he was talking about a woman he was with and he knew she was cheating and he went through her phone she let let him go through her phone and some of the people she had contact with he had no idea these were men she was messing around with now I want you to think about this for a moment a mother a woman would have taken him to the side probably and told him about the choice he made in that woman a good mother would do that not where she's trying to control the narrative in his life but what she's doing is giving him guidance that's important because ladies let me tell you something with a man here's what happens Be the nurturer until he's about 18 because you're supporting him in every aspect. He has to be accountable to you. When he turns 18, you become his coach. In other words, you're guiding him around on what to do. He's getting familiar with life. He's like a rookie in life, and you're the coach telling him what he needs to work on. Hey, you need to work on your free throws. You need to work on your jump shot. You need to start going left more instead of just going right. You're that person in his life. You don't make the decisions. You make the observations and allow him to make the decisions because what you've done, you've given him the tools from zero to 18 years of age to make those proper decisions. Now, as you Age, And you're going to be a coach in his life for the longest period. When you get about in your 50s and 60s, you're going to become his friend. And I don't mean drinking buddies or nothing like that. When I say his friend, he's going to look out for your welfare. And he's going to do this throughout the whole process. But even more so when you become older. Because, see, at this point, he's going to come across to you as a friend for wisdom. You've done the hands-on coaching with him, but now he's going to come to you for wisdom. It's just like he's out of his rookie season and he's a pro. And what he's coming to you now for is to prepare himself for retirement. And you're that person that's now transitioned where you can give him some advice on the wiser choices to make as he goes forward. These are the last few nuggets of wisdom you can give this young man before you you pass away. And you want to be able to do it in a way where these things will last. so in that way when you do go you can rest assured that he can take care of himself because he's going to need that he's going to need that from his father but he's also going to need that from his mother and he's going to do what a friend does did you take your medicine today did you go to the doctor like you were supposed to He's going to be checking up on you. And you're not going to like it because you're going to feel as though you're in another childhood. But what he's doing is he's returning a favor. You nurtured him, he's going to nurture you. What he's doing is as a friend. You did it as a mother. And that's how it goes. And I'm going to tell you something else, ladies. The hardest your son will ever cry in his life is when you leave this earth because see as a man he feels as though his obligation is not only to take care of his family but to take care of his vulnerable mother the one who brought him on this earth and gave of herself time, effort, nurture that's a priceless gift Even if he was an NBA All-Star with $100 million, there's not enough money that could pay for that. Because you've given him something of yourself. And see, that part of him is going to stay with him long after you're gone. And he's going to pass that legacy on to his children. way that works so I want you to definitely understand that my mother and I were extremely close I was very close to my father and even though they divorced when I was a young at a young age it wasn't any alienation it wasn't a situation where I had to Worry about hunting my father down or anything like that. I can go up and see him anytime I want to. Same thing with my mom. My dad used to come see me at school. All the time. He used to drive by the house to see me. Mother would send me up to see him during the summer and I'd be with my half-sister and her husband. What it came down to, folks, was this. They both took me seriously as being their son, when it came down to giving me the best shot at life they possibly could, whether or not they had differences and couldn't get along, they never called each other names, they never argued in front of me, and I remember my dad was paying 50 bucks a month in child support, old man on a fixed income. My mom used to go put another hundred with it or another fifty with it at times and send it right back to him. She said, son, you got to remember, I have a career. I can make enough money to take care of us. He needs that money because he's an older man. They had that mutual respect and love for each other even after they were divorced. And I appreciated that in her. She never said a bad word about him. He never said anything negative about her. That was the framework for me to structure my life where I have amicable breakups. So, I can call up any of my ex-girlfriends. Talk to them just like we finished dating yesterday. With no problem. Met their new husband met their boyfriends met their kids because we became friends first and that's the one thing my mother told me with my father they became friends that was the premise that was the foundation of their marriage and she told me that It wasn't that they were married. Their friendship came first. And then the relationship laid on top of that and the marriage laid on top of the relationship. But the foundation was their friendship and their mutual respect and love. So my heart goes out to this young man and for many other men that didn't get a fair shake in life from the family. more in a moment, folks.
1: said so he done come out as gay. So he done come out as gay. But shit, uh, Tevin, tell us something new. Hell, hey, we've been known you were gay. You know what I mean? I guess you came out because you wanted to say something to uh, make yourself feel better or whatever. But man, you've been gay. And you, you know, you ain't just got gay. You've been gay. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm going to tell you how long you've been gay. You've been gay ever since you was a little girl. You understand? Ever since you little girl, that how long you been gay?
2: I am convinced that tech jobs are not a real thing.
4: Hi, I used to work in the tech industry. I had my finger in a lot of different tech pies, proverbially. I worked in data center operations, I worked in software engineering, and I worked in cybersecurity consulting. So I've dabbled in the tech world before, and I am here to tell you that tech jobs are in fact a lie. Lie number one is that tech people are proficient and they know what they're doing. No, we don't. We just know how to Google better than you do. Seriously, like, no joke, 70 to 80 percent of, like, being able to write code is knowing what to Google. That's the, the first big part and then knowing how to change the code that you copy and pasted from Stack Overflow. For those who don't know, by the way, Stack Overflow is a website uh, where if you have a problem, Stack Overflow tells you how to fix it. And if you have a problem and Stack Overflow uh, doesn't have the answer, then you post the problem on Stack Overflow and wait for it to have the answer. Also, if Stack Overflow ever goes offline, humans, I think as a species, will probably go extinct.
2: First of all, you notice he said he dabbled nobody dabbles in it if you're really a professional now here's the problem he's right some companies are like that but i will tell you this much all of the outsourcing firms i worked with all of the companies i've worked with as project manager senior project engineer infrastructure specialist cio it director technical manager i can tell you one thing for sure when it came down to people that we would screen the one thing we would look for is how they coded and documented and what we would actually do we would have many of the code snippets that these individuals would try to go and cut and paste as if it's their own and they try to customize it we did that in the interview process because we weeded out the people who were self-taught one wanted people who went through a formal training so that they would know how to deal with teams. A lot of times these individuals are self-taught. They have their own values, rules, and standards that are totally different from the team that they're working with. A lot of times these guys would go, cut, paste code. And the problem with that is that many times it didn't work even after they've modified it, tried to make it work. And what we wound up doing was hiring a lot of people and wasting a lot of time. So this is the reason why we had to raise our standards. This is the reason why in IT, if you look back in the 1990s, going into 2000, we raised the standards. College degree, three years of experience in your field of expertise. We weren't taking generalists. We weren't taking these people who were just coders that, yeah, they worked on a few Different languages at home, but a lot of them were not really proficient at one language. They knew some of all of the languages, but not really one. Now, if we were looking for someone who specialized in Python, guess what we would expect? Them to have taken courses in it in college, them to have graduated with a degree in the field. The reason being, as we brought on these team members, we wanted to have them when they were upwardly mobile within the organization, which meant that we looked for things such as if they had management classes as well as business classes so they would understand the function of IT within the organizations we work for. That was very important because it was not uncommon for individuals to get promoted. And the last thing we wanted to do was to hire a dead fish. And we would do that on occasion Get a person that was self-taught, for instance, in C-sharp or C++. But outside of that, they really were of no benefit. So what would we do? We wouldn't contract. No, we would find someone proficient in those languages. The reason being is that that individual would have to show some kind of initiative as far as growth, we ran into a lot of problems with people who were self taught, they picked up bad habits and they tried to bring those bad habits into the workplace. We had people that would take code home with them and that kind of thing, which was unnecessary, totally unnecessary, especially on proprietary software that we were developing. So, what I would say here is this that may work for HTML, didn't mind doing that, that might have worked for other applications but when it came to applications that we were going to use internally one of the things that we were really big on was security and a lot of times when they would use code it was easy for people to hack in so we didn't hire dabblers we didn't hire people that put their finger in certain things we'd look for people who were professionals and proficient in their and the reason for that was because of the fact that we had clients depending on us and therefore a simple security breach based on a piece of code that somebody picked up off the internet wasn't acceptable the person had to know what they were doing and so that was one thing that we stressed more so than anything and we had fewer problems with that so we tried it on the cheap hiring these guys contracting them out That kind of thing. And what we found in many cases, when we used individuals that were out of Eastern Europe, for instance, out of Asia, far better. when It came down to coding, programming, and documenting, as opposed to some of the people here in the States. Because the problem was, there was not that many people going to school for IT after a while. They wanted to just sit back, sit at home, and do their thing the way they normally would like they were programming a video game so it was problematic for us now one thing I'll tell you there's a lot of money to be made in the field there are a lot of people out there faking it until they're making it but here's the thing I would tell you if you're going to get into the field know everything you need to know to a mastery level that will help you a lot because I can tell you, the stakes get higher as you go up. There's some companies that, trust me, IT protocol is so laxed they'll let people come into the office have open containers by the hardware. S- simple, fundamental things like that. I'm telling you, if you're an IT manager and you're listening to me, make sure those people know what they're doing because I can tell you millions upon millions of dollars are wasted every year on inadequate talent people who are trying to learn entry level spots when you're working on a project and you have a deadline and it has to be done you don't have time to go through and put training wheels on people So that's the reason why we stayed away from dabblers. That's the reason why we stayed away from people that were just putting their toes in it. Putting their fingers in it. Just wanted to share that with you. So that you won't have the misconception that it's just like that all the way over the IT universe.
5: A couple of my homegirls, we finna go to the club, right? We all met at my house, got dressy, pre-gaming and whatnot. And while I'm taking my shot, Shorty just casually brings up in conversation. Oh, my baby daddy gonna be there. They still fucking. And his new bitch supposed to be there, and she might try and jump me. I just wanna know if she tried anything, is y'all gonna jump? <laughs> wait a minute now. Who fighting? You mean there may be hands thrown? We old enough to go to jail now. If she don't give a fuck about her freedom, which ultimately means she don't care about her life or yours. She damn sure don't give a fuck about mine. Well, it'll be three on three if y'all jump in, that's what I'm saying. Wait a so I'm supposed to risk it all for somebody else, baby daddy dick? You know, they say the pretty ones go down first in jail. <laughs> I don't want to eat no pussy. Uh-uh, I ain't going. Oh, so y'all ain't going to jump in if she trying to fight me? Well, we just trying to dance tonight. I was going to grind. Leah said she had some twerk to give out, but we wasn't prepared to give out hands. She might hit me. Well, really, bitch, what you're telling me is you don't care about me. How y'all my friends ain't going to let me get jumped? Bro, I don't fight, okay? You a punk. You right, bitch, but I'm a pretty one.
2: Alright, let's see what we have here. This is from Craig out of Anniston, Alabama. I love your show, dude. Been listening for a while and, man, you've opened my eyes on a lot of things. I ran into an odd situation recently. I dated this girl about six months ago, met her on Plenty of Fish, and we've been going back to each other's place here and there been very respectful at least until yesterday yesterday morning I was getting ready to go to work went into the bathroom still in my boxers and I was shaving I was doing that before I got into the shower before my girl comes in she's naked she gives me a kiss with a horrible breath sits on the toilet pees and then starts to crap i never had anything like that happen to me in my life before. She literally sat there and took a shit while trying to carry on a conversation with me. Out of respect, I was getting ready to just wash my face off and wait until she finished and I was going to go in and shower. And she told me no. She wanted me to pull down my boxers. She had a surprise for me. So I obliged her. It was the oddest thing I've ever witnessed in my life. Imagine me there with shaving cream on my face and she's giving me fellatio while she's taking a dump. I don't know how I feel about this. I feel kind of grossed out. I'm trying to figure out a way to talk to her about this because to me that was just totally crazy. This is the first time something like this has ever happened and I just don't know how to handle it. I'll admit I'm one of those wusses with a weak stomach when it comes down to stuff like that. I don't even like looking in the toilet after I finish. So I can only imagine. But in any case, what would you suggest? I'm 44. She's 29. Craig, Aniston, Alabama. Whew. Craig. Man. I hope you guys are doing well down there because I know you had a lot of bad weather coming your way. Look, here's what I would tell you. You got to talk to her. And she's got to understand that there are boundaries. I mean, I think you had the right idea in the beginning to leave. But I guess you wanted that extra morning head before you left. Here's the thing I would say, though. You're going to have to sit her down and talk to her. Now, what she's probably going to say is something like, oh, you didn't appreciate that, so that's not going to happen again. You don't want to go there either. But she's got to understand that there should be some rules set up. You guys have been together six months, and this is the first time she's done something like that. That means she's comfortable with doing it with you. And trust me, more than likely she's done it before with other people. This is nothing new to her. But what I will tell you is that you got to be very careful in the way you tell her because I can tell you she's probably very sensitive about that. She knows it's gross. She knows not too many guys would want that. But she's doing it to please you. I don't even want to imagine what the smell was like in that bathroom. But that's what I would go with if I were you. All right. This leads me into what I'm going to talk about today. And thank you, Greg. I sent you a link to the show if you care to be on it. And that is dealing with a side chick. That's what we're going to talk about today. And ladies, please excuse the euphemism. I don't mean any disrespect. But... A lot of women who have a man are married this is their nemesis that woman on the side and that's what we're going to talk about today now here's the thing there are different types of side chicks you have the friends with benefits you have the one night stand You have the permanent pseudo-girlfriend. You have the play wife. And you have the friend. And we're going to break them all down. Let's start with the friend. The friend is the woman that absolutely asks nothing from the guy. The only thing she wants to do is to kind of hover around. She usually becomes girlfriends with whoever he decides to date. They become very close friends. And she plays the role like she's a platonic friend with him. Around her for sure. And this woman has weathered the storm with other women that he's been with. They sit back and laugh about the women he's dated. Literally. Because she had a front row seat. To every relationship he's had now here's the interesting thing she's not going to leave him she's not going to give up the friendship and he will be willing to let you go as his girlfriend before he lets the friend go because the friend knows too much so he keeps her close and he keeps her happy and satisfied now what this friend is going to do she's going to probe and try to find as much information out about you as possible and relay it to him. So you, she may offer you to go shopping with her, maybe to go out with her. And when you're going out together, what she's doing is she's testing your loyalty to see if you're going to flirt with other men. She's looking if you're going to take the bait. But the whole time, she's betting you for him in a way. And by the same token, when she thinks you're getting a little bit too serious and things have gone a little bit too long between the two of you she may decide to pull the ripcord on that situation she could easily do that by manufacturing something saying something happened when it didn't or anything of that sort but here's the thing that friend is never going to allow him to fall in love with you and you could pour your heart out to him and then after a while, you're going to want that friend to go away. But see, the thing is, she's not going to be one of these pesky friends that's always around. She's going to do things in moderation, but she's the gatekeeper. Now, you got the friends with benefits. Friends with benefits are nothing more than just a person. Who he will spend time with, sleep with, go to the movies with, that kind of thing. But they usually are never getting serious about each other. It's nothing more than a booty call that keeps them together for the most part. They date other people. They try to go and see if they can establish a relationship with someone else. And they usually still have sex with each other. Until they start having sex with that other partner outside of that friends with benefits relationship. Now, here's the thing. It's tentative. For you fellas, this is the reason why you might be dating a woman. And she's saying, well, you know, we're not looking at sex for at least six months or a year. Don't be surprised if she's got that situation going on. Because she's not going to put the guy with the prince with benefits relationship through the hoops that she will put you through. Understand that. So... That's the reason why she can go so long without sex because she's getting it from someone else. Same thing with you ladies. Guys do this on the regular. You're telling him he has to wait. He's not waiting on you. You come in with a 90 day rule, he's not waiting on you because he knows he has that going on in the background. Now, the pseudo girlfriend. The pseudo girlfriend is the woman that. He claims that they had dated. And they're no longer together. But here's the thing. She lingers. She hangs around. She's not like the friend. The friend wants to be appearing totally platonic. This woman is there to add pressure on a woman that he likes. And he manipulates her to do that just for him. Now, it's not uncommon for these women to be bisexual. And the reason for that is because they may be into that lifestyle but they're not going to let you know that. And then if it so happens that that does come about he knows he's got you. And she's going to test you on that. But see here's the thing. She's going to make it abundantly clear. You can't have him without her. And that's key. Now, men who have women like this, they look for other women who are attractive with very low self-esteem. Because in this way, both of them benefit. Now, they're not a committed couple by no stretch. They might have dated in the past. But it's not a situation where there's a commitment that cannot be broken. It's like they're in an open relationship in a way. With the only rules being that you are to be shared. And she has access to everything this guy has. Now these are side pieces where they openly display to you what's going on. The friend doesn't do that. You think you're in a monogamous, exclusive relationship with them with the friend. But this woman, she lets you know that's not the case. Because he's pushing her to do that. Now. The other girl. The only thing she's about is one thing. The side piece. She's going to be discreet, she's going to be quiet, she's going to be low-key. She's not going to ask for a lot from him, because she's got her own. Guys are very selective when they go for side pieces. Usually she has the physical attributes that his woman doesn't have. She could be a different race, or she could have maybe large breasts, hips, or whatever. Anything that the wife or girlfriend doesn't have, he wants her to have those things, the things that he desires and likes. Many times men will use a side piece as a make good for the woman they didn't get or the woman that turned them down or the woman they wanted to cheat with. However, this woman right here has no intentions of being with him long term. She's not going to hold out for promises. She's not going to listen to him about talking about getting together and being married. It doesn't go that deep or that far. If he has some good dick, she's going to stay longer that's just the way it is now another thing about this lady you will never see her he's going to be very vigilant unlike a guy who randomly cheats he's going to be very careful that this woman never sees the light of day with you other things that will happen with her he's going to spend more money on her if he's known her longer than you So he may take you to the Sizzler or Red Lobster. He may take this woman to a five-star restaurant just to show her off. You're going to be in two different worlds. But see, here's the thing. She's going to have access to a secondary life. And she will never ever blow his cover. That means this relationship will never go public. Now, He's going to trust the side chick over you as his woman. Here's why. He's going to reveal things to her that he could never reveal to you. Because he'd be too embarrassed. So therefore, she's going to be privy to those things. She's going to know his financial status a lot better than you will. She may even choose to lend her money. Or even have joint accounts on things. But here's the thing he will probably only do that if he's not married to you. If you guys are just dating, yeah, he's going to go that route, more than likely. Because, see, the thing is, they're not in love with each other, but they love each other. So, at any point, they could break it off. But, see, it's not one of those things where he's looking at something that's temporary he's looking for something that's going to last now you have the one night stands of course these are the ones that men usually get caught with you have the women that they're just being for a booty call they usually get caught with them because they take that opportunity to be with that woman at a higher risk now another thing About the side piece. too, to keep in mind. This woman's going to know everything about you. Because he's going to purge to her. He's going to tell her everything. If you talk to many strippers and prostitutes. Guess what they do? They talk to most of their clients. More so than sleep with them. Or dance for them. And the reason being. These guys are basically. Telling them their problems. That's all it comes down to. See one thing you'll find about people in relationships, when they have problems, they don't mind sharing it with a stranger, someone that they know won't get it back to their partner. And so with that, that's one of the reasons why people write me. They're writing anonymously. So the same thing occurs in relationships. Why do you think that so many women talked to me in the past? It's because I looked approachable. I've been told that by many women. And they'd come in, tell me things about themselves that I really didn't need to know. Tell me things about their marriage I really didn't need to know. Relationships, I just listened. And what happens is this. this side piece does just that. She listens. She absorbs the things he tells her. He will lie to you, but he's going to tell her the truth. And the reason why he's going to do that is because she has something over his head. They're in a relationship. So he has to be a lot more honest with her than he has to be with you. Because there are elements of him that you don't know that she does. Things she may do in the bedroom with him that he would never ask you to do things of that sort. Now, what's the benefit of being a side chick, side piece? Call it as you like. The benefit for them is no strings attached and yet they have kind of a sense of loyalty from that person. So the person's not going to out them. And so that works to their advantage. Now, Here comes the downside with the side piece. She becomes too old. She gets pregnant by someone else. It comes to a situation where she's fallen in love with either him or someone else. That's when they end it. Because it's ruining everything at that point. Because see, the one thing that they have to remember is not to let emotions get involved with what they're doing. It's more of a transactional relationship. When you start observing changes in routine and behavior, you just may want to check it out. You never know what you'll find.
0: Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services, please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for Fair Use.